Oh man, we got a good one for you today. I'm here with Nick as usual, and today we have a very special guest. We're talking with Val Karpov. Val is the Code Barbarian, and he's responsible for one of the most popular Node.js packages on the internet today. Of course, we're talking about Mongoose. And uh, if you're a MongoDB developer, if you're a JavaScript developer, you're probably familiar with Mongoose. Today we talk with Val, and we get into some of the history behind the uh, behind the Mongoose package and what his role in it is today. Uh, we talk about what else Val is up to. He's a fascinating character. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please like us, share us, rate us uh, on your favorite podcast network, and come and see us on the community. Come on over to community.mongodb.com and log into the community. Make sure you have uh, use your single sign-on across all the MongoDB products and uh, say hello to us. Visit me. I hang out in the drivers and ODM section and ask questions if you like. I know that uh, that Val is actually in there as well. So stay tuned. Hope you like the episode. Thanks. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Val, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for thanks for joining us here. Uh, before we get into the core material of Mongoose, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us, tell the audience who Val is. Hi, everyone. My name is Val. I'm the maintainer of Mongoose, which is the popular ODM for Node.js and MongoDB. And I'm a principal engineer at Booster, which is a company that delivers gas to people while they work in the Bay Area. So what exactly are you doing at Booster as a principal engineer? Um, right now, I'm working primarily on routing software. So um, the, the way that our fleet business works, which is kind of like one half of the business, is we deliver gas to, um, to fleets at, overnight. So like, let's say you own, a, uh, you own a landscaping company where you have a bunch of employees that have a bunch of Ford F-150s. They put their tools in the back in the morning drive around to different uh, different houses and go trim some hedges and then drive back. Those cars run on gas. So overnight, those uh, those trucks are all parked in the same place and Booster drives around to your lot. You know, the uh, the internet installation company across the street fills up all the uh, all the internet installation vans, all the landscaping F-150s. Um, so it's uh, it's an interesting kind of expanded traveling salesman problem called the uh, the vehicle routing problem, where basically we have n trucks, we have x different accounts that we need to visit. Those accounts each have demand, time windows. So we want to kind of route that. Room, room. Speaking yes, of uh, routing. <laughs> Is that you, Dick? Yes, it's me Is revving up your... my uh, engine over here. Yeah, I know somebody across the street driven up their Corvette. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I say we leave that in. Um, yeah, go for Val, it. It's great, it. It's great to have you on the podcast. And I, I did want to mention, because we're going to talk about a lot of things on this on this podcast episode. We're going to talk about what you're up to at Booster. I love the, I love the problem space that you're working on. Um, <clears throat> so we'll talk a little bit more about that. And we're going to talk about Mongoose, the ODM. You mentioned that. You're the, you're the maintainer. Um, and we're probably going to talk a little bit about MongoDB. And I think it's probably important, just to full disclosure, you've, you've worked for MongoDB in the past, and we've done, um, we've done work together 
where you've been compensated for that. So just want to make sure that that's uh, that's full, you know full disclosure around that. Um, so so having said that, um, I, I, tell me a little bit more about this um, this vehicle routing uh, challenge or, or problem that you that you mentioned. Um, explain to me. You know, is this a is this an ongoing challenge? Is this a problem that you've solved in code and you pretty much don't have to worry about it? Does it constantly change? Like, talk a little bit more about that. It's an ongoing challenge, constant. Um, we need constant improvement just because the problem space changes all the time. We're bringing on new accounts. Um, we're bringing on new dispatchers. We bring on uh, some more service pros, people who drive our trucks. We uh, we lose some service pros. The problem constantly changes, and with that, we always need to constantly be tweaking our um, our routing algorithms, um, because the uh, the solution is it's hard to find like the right solution for all cases, just because there's a lot of uncertainty inherent in the um, in the problem. We don't know exactly how much gas we need to pump in any given location. We don't know if a truck's going to break down, so that kind of makes the problem one that's uh, constantly evolving. So. When it comes to Booster, um, is what what kind of tech stack are you working on over there? Um, so routing as a whole runs. Um, we have Node.js and MongoDB uh, runs almost everything. The core solver is written in Python because um, Google OR tools, which is kind of like the underlying thing that we use to do optimization, um, that only has bindings for I think C plus plus, C sharp, and Python. So we settled on Python. So we kind of have like uh, the core is a dumb Python API that's basically Google our tools as a service. Um, what calls that is um, is a Node.js backend that is responsible for pulling all data from MongoDB, assembling it into a format that the uh, that the OR tools as a service service understands, and then throws it out to a uh, throws the result back out to a Vue.js front end. Are so, you saying OR tools? OR dash tools, yes. OR dash tools. What, what exactly is that specifically? It's on. It stands for like operations research tools or something like that. Um, it's a uh, it's a library built by Google to solve common optimization problems like um, like traveling salesman, vehicle routing, et cetera, et cetera. So I did hear that you've got you've got MongoDB in that stack. Yes, we do. I'm, I'm sure my college professors have a small heart attack when I mentioned to them that I'm uh, working on NP-complete problems in JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Why Why would they have a heart attack? <laughs> oh, I've, uh, college professors tend to, and kind of like uh, the older generation of programmers tend to think of JavaScript as a toy language that, uh, that you can't do anything real in. And I agree, it's a toy language, and that makes it great. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> with some of those things but why do you think people people still refer to to javascript as a toy language um hard to uh, hard to determine why um there's a few things that people get a little bit freaked out about um being single threaded and being loosely typed um also problem also not having the best cpu performance um all those are uh, all those are quite true um the single threaded thing it's easy enough to work around even for um even for like CPU bound tasks, it's pretty easy to work around. You just throw in an await statement every once in a while, and that's effectively like yielding on a thread. Um, but yeah, like we've done uh, we've done some like more sophisticated optimization work in JavaScript before. Right now, most of the like real optimization is done in Python. Uh, 
but that's more of a function of the fact that just uh, Google doesn't have bindings for JavaScript. Mm -hmm. So since MongoDB is part of your stack alongside JavaScript, uh, is it safe to say that you're using Mongoose as uh, the kind of driving force to your application? Or is uh, it, yeah, are you not, not able to tell? <laughs> no, we are not. Not currently, anyway. Um, it's a decision that we made probably about like right, right around when I started or right before I started. Um, and it's a decision that I'm not sure was the right one in hindsight, but uh, it seemed like a good one at the time, given our team. But our team composition has changed substantially since then. So you're using the native MongoDB JavaScript driver? Uh, yes, with a small proprietary layer on top of it. Okay, interesting. So I'd, I'd love to, to get a little bit more into the history of Mongoose. I think it's fascinating. Uh, you know, the, the, the project itself um, is so incredibly popular. And I just wanted to pull up the the stats there. So I had them handy. Hang on. Yeah, it was like 113 million downloads in its lifetime. So what far. is, do you track that closely Val? What, what are the, what are the latest numbers? Um, the total numbers, I don't remember. Um, right now the weekly downloads are about a million a week. Um, Oof. Uh, it's the 18th most dependent on package on NPM. So that's, uh, so that's also a pretty cool thing that I'm pretty proud of. And, um, there's, as of recently, uh, 1 million projects on GitHub use it. <laughs> wow. 1 million projects on GitHub. That's incredible. How are you able um, to track that information? Um, just out of curiosity. Just like go to github.com forward slash automatic forward slash mongoose. And it's right next to the star. There's like a used by thing. Um, really? All right. Maybe they've changed how it's computed recently, but I checked a little while back and it was over a million. And I was very proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, is that through npm, um, you know, package.json, like references? Uh, yeah, I think it's. Um, I think since GitHub knows can look at your package.json, it can see if you have a dependency on Mongoose, and I think that's kind of more accurate in terms of how much people are using it. Just because, um, so when npm tracks it, it only tracks packages published at npm that depend on Mongoose. And there's already a lot of those, but on the other hand, Mongoose is also often built for, often used for building kind of like proprietary apps that don't end up getting published 10 p.m. Hmm. Okay, so for the complete beginners, uh, folks that have maybe uh, used Mongoose, don't know really too much about uh, what it specifically is, apart from the fact that it that it helps in um, in use of MongoDB. Maybe if we could, from, straight from the horse's mouth, get a, a, a description of what Mongoose is and what problem does it solve? Sure. Mongoose provides kind of like an ORM layer on top of the MongoDB node driver. Um, the, uh, the big difference between Mongoose and a standard ORM is that it doesn't actually like transform the data into, a, uh, into any format different than what you have in your database. So kind of with, you get all the good stuff of working with an ORM. But on the other hand, your data in MongoDB pretty much looks exactly the same as your data in Node. Um, mm -hmm. so you You're saying ORM, meaning Object Relational Mapper, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you get, um, instead of working with collections, you're working more with models. So instead of having a user collection, you have a user model. You can create a new user, modify the user, save it. Um, you, get, uh, you get kind of the, um, 
you get kind of all the features you expect from an ORM, like middleware, plugins, um, things like that, vibrant ecosystem of plugins that, uh, that lets you kind of add in all the functionality that, that it might not have off, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And what, and what problem space is it, is it solving? Um, uh, what's, uh, I'm not quite sure. Well, I like, like what, what, why do, why can't people just use MongoDB? Why, why don't, why in every case does it, does it not make sense to simply just use MongoDB with a, the native JavaScript driver? No, that's a fair question. Um, a couple of things that Mongoose adds, um, schema validation is a big one. Um, it's application-based schema validation though. So it doesn't use MongoDB's, um, the schema validation JSON. introduced or the JSON schema validation that was introduced mm -hmm. in, I forget which version of MongoDB off the top of my head. I think it was three, six, three, six. Yeah. So yeah. Don't that, um, and also things like middleware. So being able to say, uh, do this before every save or do this before every find or transform this data on this way out mm. of space. Mm -hmm. But essentially it gives a, it gives enhancements around the schema treatment in application, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, another neat thing that it also adds is kind of like more extensible customized typing in the sense of um, it makes it easier for things like, say, um, if you want to have like a moment JS type or something like that, Mongoose gives you kind of better support for that and lets you plug that into uh, plug that into MongoDB seamlessly. Uh, yes, Nick? Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I'd actually be interested in, in taking a step further back. I actually want a history lesson on this. So, I mean, you're you've worked at MongoDB at some point in time, um, back when I, I don't. It's so long before my time. I don't know if there was any kind of Node driver at the time. What what made you say, "Oh man, we we really need to create this this tool to to help developers"? What what was it uh, that kind of set that in motion? So I didn't originally write Mongoose. It was written sure. uh, primarily by Guillermo, uh, who's now the CEO of Vercel. Um, they got people behind Next.js and Now and all those other things. Um, so how I, I can't speak for like why Guillermo and Mongoose started writing it, because uh, to be honest, I don't really know. Um, but they started writing it kind of because they were one of the first people working on, uh, working on Node.js in production. They were um, they were part of a startup back then called LearnBoost, which uh, which provided kind of um, uh, web based tools for K through twelve education type thing. Um, they were one of the early kind of companies using Node in production, and so they wrote a lot of um, a lot of the popular foundational NPM packages like the Express Web Framework, like Mongoose, like the Mocha testing framework. Those were all kind of under the LearnBoost umbrella. Um, so around, let's go back in time to around, say, I want to say early 2013, I was working on, uh, I was working on a startup in Node myself. Um, we, uh, we kind of, we, we adopted Node because that a previous project we'd worked on, we'd used Rails and found it to be a little bit too, like, um, a little bit too cumbersome. Um, when, uh, if you did things exactly the way that Rails wanted you to do them, everything worked great. But as soon as things went a little off the rails, you would uh, you yourself having a bad time. So uh, we found we liked Node because it was kind of more flexible and kind of gave you better concurrency right off the bat. We also had better support for Windows because I was still doing a lot of Windows dev back then. Um, so we started. Uh, so we started using MongoDB as well because uh, because I had been working 
well, up until I started working like full time on this startup project, I had been working at a high frequency trading shop. These people, uh, smartest people I've ever worked with, like more PhDs than uh, than not at this company, um, and they hated using anything, anything, anything that wasn't written by them to the point where they were using their own, they were trying to build their own TCP stack because Red Hat's was too slow. So they wanted a nice specialized one for their own space. But on the other hand, they were using MongoDB. And uh, my my boss there had told me that, you know, the company would never touch an SQL database with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> so the fact that they started using like Mongo really spoke volumes about why, uh, about why this database was amazing. So I was like, just scratching my head like what makes this so exciting and special so i started mongodb as well started working within a node it seemed and you know just fit together so nicely i was like this is great i'm so happy with this this is like uh this is kind of like the development environment i always wanted um but this was kind of back in the day when uh first of all everything was callbacks so like uh, writing too many callbacks was a bit of a pain um, back at this point, back in 2013 or early 2013, there was a node driver, but the problem was that um, in order to access a collection, that was an asynchronous operation, so you also need to put in callbacks. So that uh, so that kind of made things a little hard to work with. And then um, also declaring a new object ID was really annoying because like the object ID class was nested under like six different namespaces. So we ended up, um, so we ended up stumbling across Mongoose, and uh, in one pull request, kind of killed off half of our backend code base in terms of number of, uh, in terms of lines of code. So like I was immediately hooked. Um, this was like, yeah, early 2013. Um, that was when uh, Aaron Heckman was working out primarily on Mongoose as the maintainer while he was an employee at Mongo. Um, let's see here. So that startup ended up folding. I ended up meeting some people from MongoDB, um, Francesca Creoli, a few people like that who uh, who kind of convinced me to uh, apply for Yeah, Francesca is great. I uh, I should probably ask her. She it's been a while since I've spoken to her, but she's uh, she's great, and she was probably she was the person primarily responsible for bringing me to MongoDB. So I joined around uh, August um, August two thousand thirteen. I joined literally the day before they uh, they changed their name from TenGen to MongoDB. So I still had the I still had a TenGen email address and felt really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, a bit, a bit of a, um, random, I, you you left the day I started, and we actually uh, we yeah, actually I wrote into, I rode the yeah. rode the same elevator <laughs> on the last day on your last day there. I think it was like January fourth, twenty sixteen, was the my first day and your last day or something like that. Close to that. Yeah. Uh, it was like yeah. February, I think. So it might've been off yeah. like a little bit, but either way, I recall this and yeah. So, um, so yeah, I joined MongoDB to work primarily on a uh, internal continuous integration tool. Um, but I was always like, kind of, I always still had it in my heart that I really liked working on Mongoose. So like um, when MongoDB through, was it 2.6 came out, uh, Mongoose didn't have like good support for some of the new features there. So I put in some pull requests. Um, Aaron Heckman had left MongoDB around December 2013. So early 2014, I started planning some pull requests. Um, before I knew it, I'm, uh, I'm, on the, uh, I'm on the air train to JFK Airport, mindlessly scrolling through Twitter because it was really early in the morning and uh, I needed a coffee <laughs> and he had to pass the time. So I, uh, so I see Aaron asking for someone to take over maintaining Mongoose and I can't tweet fast enough. So yeah. Uh, mindlessly scrolling through Twitter can be productive at times. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Wow. Don't everyone tell you otherwise. So yeah, that's how uh, that's how I ended up taking over maintaining Mongoose. And back then, it was like a kind of like still relatively small project, but it was rapidly growing. Uh, monthly downloads were like maybe thirty thousand or so. So uh, so it's grown substantially since then. And um, yeah, went through a lot of different uh, went through a lot of different time periods maintaining Mongoose. Kind of for my first like year or so as maintainer, I was doing like kind of like a one to two days a week type thing at MongoDB, um, kind of, I want to say in 2015, I switched to working on Mongoose full time and then 2016 ended up leaving MongoDB and uh, joining Booster. Been there ever since. So yeah, that, that's kind of how Mongoose got started. Uh, I love it. I love the, the history. Um, so one of the things that interests me is how, how do you maintain Mongoose. I mean, it is a separate code base, obviously, from from MongoDB. Um, so MongoDB is making releases at a at a mind numbing pace. Like, there's a lot of change happening. Um, a lot of features are being updated. How do you manage to keep up with the the, the rate of change with MongoDB? Wouldn't be able to do it without the uh, the MongoDB driver team. Um, Matt, uh, the guy who leads the uh, the Node driver team, is um, he's uh, he's exceptional. He does a great job, yeah. and um, yeah, uh, it makes it uh, makes my life a lot easier because I don't have to worry too much about the um, the internal changes or anything that's kind of like internal to the driver. I just kind of mm -hmm. need to keep up on new features and uh, help people take advantage of kind of uh, new features like say change streams or uh, reviews or something like that as opposed mm -hmm. to worrying about kind of like internal protocol changes. Hmm. Have you, um, so this is kind of a, a side, uh, but ha have you looked at Realm and the, the backend services, uh, the JavaScript API, any of that? Um, I haven't looked work? closely at it, no. I might have looked okay. at like the landing page or two. Okay, interesting. Great. All right, so um, have some more stuff in the in the doc yeah. that we want to get to. Yeah, I actually have some questions. Then I'll I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, some so these are some technical questions um, around Mongoose itself. Um, so for example, um, Mongoose offers you said the the client side schema validation, right? I think that's um, a very popular feature. It's one that I used back in the day very, very heavily. Um, how does how does something like that work? I, I guess like what what can it accomplish, and and should you be using that versus one of the other uh, kind of validation tools that exist? Like uh, I know a popular one with Node.js is is Joy, for example. Hmm. So yeah, that's a fair question. Um, for the most part, Mongoose can take care of most schema validation on its own. So a lot of apps don't need joy or anything like that. Yeah. Um, in some cases, you do need it. Um, there are a couple of gaps that we're looking to patch to make it so that um, so that you don't really have to use that. Is it still is it still a relevant part of Mongoose since MongoDB does have its server side validation? Is there a reason why you would want to use both? Um, I think there is. I think so. At Booster, for example, we actually don't use any um, any database side app, uh, any database side validation. It all goes through um, it all goes through MongoDB, just because um, we want to kind of like reduce the operational uh, 
both the uh, both the operational load on the database as well as kind of like the amount of time we spend interacting with the uh, with doing operational stuff on the database. We don't really have like a uh, an, a dedicated DB admin. I'm like technically the dedicated DB admin, yeah. and um, I don't want to have to kind of manage that and make and kind of worry about what happens. Oh, if I'm changing kind of like uh, if I'm changing the schema or the JSON schema on the database, you know what happens if there is an old document that kind of doesn't match the new schema? Um, what happens if you load that document and then try to resave it? Um, that I don't really want to worry about. I kind of want to worry about, um, you know, is the data coming into the system clean? And then if I have the assumption that the data coming into the system is like clean, sanitized, and meets the constraints, then we can go back and change the old data later as necessary. Got it. Yeah. Just find it easier to kind of change the schemas faster. At Booster, we kind of need to change our schemas very rapidly. So it makes it just a lot easier and gives us a lot less overhead if we uh, if we don't really have to worry about kind of um, uh, managing what happens with uh, with changing schema schemas on the database itself. I had a question about relationships and and mongoose. Um, so you're essentially providing a layer where, as a developer, I can define what the documents will look like by creating a schema. And in a lot of cases with MongoDB, uh, you're trying to limit the separate collections, lib limit the number of collections so that lookups are faster. Uh, you wanna, as much as possible, uh, data that will be referenced together, data that will be used together should be stored together, right? Yeah. Um, but in, in some cases you can't do that and you wanna, you wanna make use of multiple collections. How does Mongoose handle that where you're storing data in uh, multiple collections, almost like a relational database where there's, there's data in multiple tables. Yeah. So we, uh, so Mongoose has a populate function that's kind of behaves like a left outer join. Um, it doesn't use dollar lookup under the hood. Um, what it ends up doing is basically every time you call populate that kind of on a query, like let's say you're querying for users and you want to populate, um, let's say the, uh, let's say the user's blog post or something like that. Um, that ends up becoming two separate queries, um, one query for the users. And then when the users are loaded, we go through, scan through like all the blog post IDs or whatever in the user document and, um, and execute a sep one separate query for those blog posts and then merge them with the, uh, with the user results. Kind of neat things where it also handles like, um, it also transparently handles, like say, if you're iterating through a cursor, it handles kind of loading uh, loading documents as you load them from the cursor, or populating documents as they get loaded from the cursor. Yes. So I have more questions around this as well. Um, so it's been a while since I've examined this particular function of Mongoose. Uh, are you limited to just uh, populating on one single field or can you do arrays, um, like an array of, of relation, related documents, et cetera? Um, what do you mean by an array of related documents? I don't know. Maybe you have, uh, as part of your schema, you have um, an array. And inside that array is just a bunch of IDs to some other documents that might exist. Can you populate all of them? Or is it only like uh, if, if, if the field is, say, just a string value? No, you can populate all of them. So if you have like an array blog post IDs, that's an array yeah. of object IDs that point to the blog post collection. 
um, Mongoose will let you populate that. So populate handles like one-to-one, one-to-many. Yeah. Um, you can populate multiple documents or multiple different paths with like uh, by just chaining calls together. Um, yeah, so you it, can also support kind of um, variable models based on uh, based on the individual document. That's another fun thing. So like, yeah. you know, like uh, you have like a collection of people and a person can either be of type author or of type producer or something. So you can also transparently populate like um, yeah. with the populate call, you can call populate like um, movies for a producer versus books for an author, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I'm digging into this, this particular question so, so much is because this is a very popular question on Stack Overflow and Reddit and, and places like this. This is a common question that developers are asking when it comes to uh, relationships with Mongoose. Uh, now, let's say that you're trying to populate uh, on a value where it doesn't exist on the other side of the join. Does it throw some kind of error or does it skip it or how, how does that work? So it behaves like an left outer join. So it'll, uh, the value will end up being null. So if you populate right. an array of blog post IDs and all the IDs are wrong, you end up with an empty ID or you end up with an empty array by default. Um, ditto if you have just like a single blog post ID property. Um, and that references a non-existent blog post, you'll end up with null. Got it. So, uh, it's a common gotcha. It definitely is a source of confusion where um, where people want to be able to kind of filter, uh, like say filter users by blog post title or something like that, or filtering by kind of a foreign field. And that's not something that Mongoose, um, uh, that's not something that Mongoose really helps. So with Mongoose doing all of the work for us with the schemas that you define um, in your application layer, um, what happens in terms of indexes? Does Mongoose create that for you as needed, or do you still go in and create them yourself? How does that work? That's something that um, I want to improve in the future. But right now, um, you can define indexes in your Mongoose schema, and Mongoose will automatically create them for you by default if they uh, if they don't already exist, right? So you can say you have a, you have a user um, you have a user model in your user in your user schema. You can define a unique index on email. That's um, that's pretty easy. Mongoose will go in and automatically create it by default. Um, that's kind of built. Right now, it's built more as a utility for uh, for local development as opposed to kind of something that's for production. Just because by default it doesn't drop conflicting indexes, so it kind of it basically by default, if you have a conflicting index, like let's say you have an index on email that's not unique, and you try to create a unique index on and Mongoose says you need to create a unique index on email, that will um, that will fail silently. So Mongoose just will uh, will crap out. And uh, well, so, well, silently crap out. It'll let you keep going, but you won't have a unique index on email, which is a little unfortunate. Um, but we do um, probably about last year we introduced this um, this neat sync indexes function, which you can call to manually sync the indexes from your schema. So it will um, it will basically go through all the indexes in MongoDB, go through all the indexes in your schema. Uh, drop the ones that are in MongoDB but not in your schema, and then create the ones that are in your schema for you. Um, I think that's kind of like our next step in terms of like improving index management in Mongoose, but it's not something that we've uh, we haven't turned that on by default yet. We may in the future. Got it. How big is the team that that helps uh, maintain Mongoose? 
Um, the formal team is me. <laughs> there's, people who, uh, there's people who contribute um, pretty regularly and I'm uh, very thankful to them for their help. Um, but uh, I'm the one who primarily has been working on it for the last uh, seven years or so. And it's open source. Yep. What's the license? What's, what's the license? I want to say it's Apache. Maybe it's MIT. I, uh, I forget. Okay. It's, um, it's not AGPL. So that's... Um, okay. So that makes things interesting. <laughs> yeah. And so am I correct in assuming that the Mongoose package leverages the native driver under the covers? Yes, it does. Um, so you can think of Mongoose as primarily just mm -hmm. a layer on top of the MongoDB driver. Mm. Okay, great. There isn't... Um, there are a few little things that Mongoose does on top of the driver that are kind of connection oriented, but for the most part, it uh, defers the uh, defers the all connectivity stuff to uh, to the driver. Are there use cases that you recommend that people don't use Mongoose? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I realize I'm asking yeah. the maintainer of, of the package. <laughs> well, I think it's fair, too, because he said that at, at Booster, he's uh, not using Mongoose currently as well. That's mm -hmm. fair. Yeah, no. I, uh, let's see here. High-performance workloads. Um, Mongoose does take up a fair amount of CPU space and memory. So um, that's something that we try to improve. Um, but obviously, there's always going to be overhead. So if you, need the, uh, if you need the extra juice on CPU or memory, um, you, uh, skipping mongoose could be prudent. Um, the other, the primary reason why we actually don't use it at uh, at Booster was um, like kind of early on we had a team that wasn't that kind of did not want to be doing MVC style development. So like we just kind of um, we had kind of come from a Rails background and we didn't really uh, we didn't really like Rails anymore. So we kind of felt scarred by that and we wanted to do something a little different. So we kind of started adopting more, I want to say, like aspect-oriented programming practices as opposed to uh, MVC. Um, so that's kind of why we ended up not going with Mongoose. But in hindsight, I probably would have, if I were to go back in time, I would probably recommend Wes to go with Mongoose anyway, just because like um, our team comp has changed significantly since then. And now we have people who, uh, we have a lot of people on our team who much prefer MVC and would prefer kind of a more object-oriented paradigm. So we're um, so that's kind of why uh, that's kind of the long and short why we don't use that booster, but we probably should have. So there's uh, there's a, at least a million users a month that are that are downloading Mongoose, right? Is what we determined. Uh, do you recommend that everyone learn both the native SDK as well as Mongoose, or? Um, I mean, are they setting themselves up for any kind of failure if they go directly into Mongoose prior uh, or the other way around? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, really depends on what they're trying to build. Um, what if they're not sure? Well, let's see here. In that case, I would probably recommend... Um, let's see here. There's a, there's a bit of a trade-off there, right? Because um, yeah. if you're coming from kind of an ORM MVC background, which a lot of people are, Mongoose makes it much easier to get started, right? But then on the other hand, if you start with the uh, if you start with learning the MongoDB driver directly, then you kind of understand you have a better understanding of what Mongoose is doing under the hood because you kind of understand like, oh, okay, this is why Mongoose is structured the way it is because again, Mongoose tries to not do too much in terms of like 
transferring or making it so that you have like one function call that does a lot of different things in MongoDB all at once. Um, we kind of try to make it more like Mongoose uh, translates kind of like one async Mongoose call usually ends up as one MongoDB call. For the most part, there's a few exceptions like sync indexes. Um, but kind of like working with the MongoDB driver directly would help you understand Mongoose, like kind of why it is the way it is. So that's the, that's the trade-off. Easier to get started, but, um, but well, if... Uh, yeah, easier to get started with Mongoose, but on the other hand, you can go deeper and kind of understand Mongoose better if you learn the driver as well. Either way, you're going to end up with a good application in the end, right? Yeah, one can only hope. <laughs> no, I'm sure so, uh, sure your application will be great. So what's coming down the pike for uh, for Mongoose? What's on the roadmap? So the big uh, the big thing on the agenda for Mongoose 5.11 is officially supported TypeScript bindings. Um, right now, Mongoose doesn't have kind of like officially supported types for TypeScript, and uh, we um, we probably get at least like one or two issues a week that we have to say uh, we have to respond with. We don't officially support TypeScript. Please report this bug somewhere else. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so we don't like doing that anymore. We have um, we have a lot of users using TypeScript, and we want to make sure they have uh, they have experience. And what's the time frame on 5.11? Um, right now, probably early Q4, I want to say. Um, we're also working on Mongoose 6, which is going to, which is going to be a, um, uh, well, we're changing a bunch of things internally. Um, it, but that one is kind of, is, uh, let's see here. Uh, Mongoose 6 is tied to the release of MongoDB driver four. We try to keep it like, um, we try to make it so that major Mongoose releases line up with major MongoDB driver releases, just so we don't like ship Mongoose six and then two months later we ship Mongoose seven because the uh, the driver shipped a major backwards breaking change. Yeah, Mongoose six. Um, one of the big things we're working on there is um, we're using uh, proxies in JavaScript more, specifically for arrays. Kind of experimenting with that. Um, the uh, we're really we're, we've gotten a lot more bullish on proxies because Vue is, uh, is starting to use them a lot more for Vue three, so we're starting to think that okay, proxies are probably more uh, probably more ready and mature than they were the last time we considered proxies, probably around uh, 2016 2017. So we're uh, so we're pretty excited because that's going to help us um, chat, track changes on arrays much more cleanly. So, so for the uninitiated, um, I'm not a, uh, a an advanced JavaScript guy. Can you help me understand what a proxy is? Oh yeah, um, a proxy is kind of like a lightweight wrapper on top of a on top of an object or a value. No, it's a it's a lightweight wrapper on top of an object that lets you intercept all property accesses and all property modifications on that object. So for proxies. You could watch chain. You could watch for kind of gets and sets on an individual object property. Like you could op intercept object.a, but you had to explicitly write uh, for the property name a. So you couldn't watch for all property changes, and that's kind of why mongoose schemas. They um they only with mongoose you only track changes on the properties defined in your schema because mongoose goes through every property in your schema, and um, when you create a model it registers a watcher for all those particular properties. But proxies let you intercept um, calls on all properties, not ones that are uh, not kind of a predefined set. 
So that makes it much better for arrays because JavaScript arrays are just objects that happen to have a lot of numeric properties. So I can't intercept people saying um, document.array of four equals whatever. We can't do that right now, but with proxies, we can. Interesting. Awesome. So we're coming up on time. I want to make sure we uh, we give you a couple of minutes to talk about some other things that you're up to. Anything else that you you wanted to talk about? Oh yeah, I just uh, just launched a new ebook on Mongoose called Mastering Mongoose as part of um, as part of my new blog, MasteringJS.io. So um, I there's going to be a link in the show notes. I hope about uh, with a link to a discounted uh, discounted copy. So uh, in general, what's what uh, storefronts can you find it at in general? Oh, it's um, it's just my storefront. Um, oh, all right. On the, it's on the Mastering JS website. It's not on Amazon or anything like that. Got it. Outstanding. Well, we'll look for that. And where can people find you in the social space? Are you on social media? Yeah, exactly. You can find me on GitHub, um, bcarpop15. Um, I'm at code underscore barbarian on Twitter. That's uh, and let's see. Yeah, um, I think that's about it. There's also a mongoose Slack, uh, mongoosejsteam.slack.com, which I'm on on occasion. Outstanding. Well, great, Val. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Uh, it was great to to learn more about mongoose and and what else you're up to. Nick, anything else before we we shut it down? No. Um, in addition, I mean, actually, yeah. Sorry. In addition to uh, the channels that Val had mentioned for for getting help with Mongoose and getting involved, uh, you could also slide into the MongoDB developer community and ask your questions there, and uh, we'll we'll be able to help you answer them there as well. And where's that at? Uh, that should be at community.mongodb.com. Sorry. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> awesome. Val, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Nick. Always fun to talk to you guys. Once again, big thanks to Val for joining us today. If you have questions about Mongoose, about the MongoDB driver, about other drivers that you use for MongoDB, head on over to the community, community.mongodb.com. There's a drivers and ODM section where you can ask questions. I'm certainly hanging out there on a regular basis. Once again, if you like what you hear, let us know. Rate us. Uh, share the podcast and uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com.